What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Church Split. My name is Will. We got Brian with us today. What's up, heretics? And you guys know what we do here. We help you escape your church's echo chamber, learn to think biblically, and of course, challenge the status quo. And did you mean that? You saw, you said that weird. Did I say it weird? I don't know. Yeah, you said it weird. Like, what's up, heretics? Like, it sounded nice about what's it. What's up, heretics? There we go. It's a little. Yeah. Normally, there's a bit more of a cheeky tone to it, and you sounded like you were kind of concerned. My first time saying <laughs> in my basement, so I don't know what the. This is all new. This is yeah. This is true. Um, <laughs> what's up, heretics? Hi, hey, Adam. Welcome back. Um, so at least we know one person will see two live streams in one day. So yeah. that's, <laughs> this is this, trust me when I say this is not how it's normally going to go, but this is just the way it's going to go today. So that's okay. Um, so today, guys, of course, do the all the uh, internet stuff. You guys know how to do all that, it's like, subscribe, and all that jazz. But Brian and I, uh, this is our first together episode while being apart. Um, and, uh, so this will be an interesting learning curve for us both, but we definitely wanted to talk about this particular topic. But first, before we do that, Adam has a, a statement or a question. He says, why does it not surprise me that Brian is in his basement? Uh, this room got flooded back in April, so I had to redo it and I might as well just, if I'm redoing it, might as well make this the studio. My question is, do you give off the... Room. Do you give off the basement dwelling vibe? That's Maybe. my question. <laughs> I might. Who knows? A bit of a recluse. It's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, anyway, so what Brian and I want to talk about. So Brian, uh, of course, the moment like I, I am mid move. All this stuff is like half being built. The whole Hamas terrorist situation takes place. And uh, it was literally like my first week here at the at church. So that's all we're talking about. And I'm like, this is one heck of a week to first start when, uh, like, you know, this entire th event is happening. So Brian did some coverage on this and uh, basically did a call to peace, which is really what we need right now. We need peace more than anything. And uh, it was one of the things where I'm like, my goodness, this is definitely one of those things that I wanted to make sure I, I'm like, this is so big. We should talk about it. And one thing I personally have been wrestling with is uh, the idea of when is it time to go to war? When is it not a time to go to war? How do we handle these situations? Because um, as a Christian, I'm not a fan of war and death, but at the same time, as a Christian, I believe in self-defense. So it's a very, it's this weird area where I'm like, ooh, I don't know what to do here. Um, so while well, we figured a conversation about it would be fun, especially with the audience members. So we feel free to keep giving your input. I will keep an eye on the live chat. Uh, Super chats do get special love though. But anyway. Um, I'll just real add, Will, that I had to do an episode on it because I wasn't sure if the rapture was coming or not. So I figured I might as well get something out right away just in case the trumpets sound. It's the end. So <laughs> now that we're at least two weeks safe from the rapture, not happened yet. We can spend a little more time on the topic. Brian was like, this is my last episode ever before glory. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that is actually a really good question that this situation has brought up because if you, as a pastor, as uh, any lay person, as anything, you know all about the the almost the, like what the Zionist movement really. This idea, um, not not only is it the is Israel the Holy Land, but that um, some things will take place there before Christ returns. And the, if you affirm this belief of the Rapture, you believe this usually takes place like after the building of the Temple. If you look at most people, so it's funny. So personally. Um, my eschatology, I say is fluid. It's the only thing that I will say is ever fluid. 
<laughs> I, I identify as a fluid eschatologist, uh, but I would say I probably stand on the partial preterist and amillennialist camp. Okay, that's where I stand, and I flirt with pre-mill, historical pre-mill all the time. Um, I used to flirt with amill, but now I think I'm, I think I'm there. But now I'm just flirting with pre-mill. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. That's that's that could change next week. It's just depends on the day. But well, as long as you're not making up any new end times theology just to fit your trans eschatology. So. Right. <laughs> your trans eschatology. I mean, actually, that's that's a good thing to bring up real fast as we're talking about, is this the end times? People are talking about eschatology here, right? Eschatological questions, which, by the way, that's a fancy word for just saying the end times. And so really, there's only two historical views in the church that date way back, and that's historical premillennialism, which is, of course, the idea that Christ returns before he reigns on earth for a thousand years, or amillennialism, which is that we basically lit, are living in the thousand year reign right now. Um, and then all the others like pre-trib rapture stuff, all that and pre-wrath, post-mill uh, post and all that, a lot of that stuff came like later on. So it depends on what how you feel about different historical views, but just letting you know that those are pretty much the only two main ones, historical pre-mill and amill partial preterism. So, uh, well, not partial preterism, that's more of a recent thing, but I think it's more of a lens of which we, helps clarify certain things that people thought were end times conversations when it's not. Um, and uh, as, as opposed to having trans eschatology, by the way, Adam Van Gorp says, I'm agnostic on uh, eschatology. All I care about is that God wins in the end. Uh, and actually, Adam, that I, actually, that's a good thing to talk about. Uh, Brian and I, back when we were at... Um, when we were at our, the church together at door back, back in the day, Brian and I would talk, we uh, were kind of discussing revelation. And there's one person that we talked to that said that in the underground churches in China, it's really funny because as we argue all these different meanings and revelation, what they hold to is the hope of us winning at the end that God wins in the end. So I find that interesting that as we argue about eschatology, they're, they're the ones who kind of get the main thing on it. So uh, anyway, um, James said, uh, shouldn't Christians be most concerned about Christians living in Palestine when Islam and Jewry fight Christians suffer? There is no country for Christians in the Middle East. And James, that is actually, there's a lot of truth in that statement. Um, and actually, that you're getting ahead of what we were going to talk about a little bit. But uh, anyway, so the question is, Brian, I've been rambling. Is it the end times? Sure. <laughs> I <laughs> All I know is that it seems like every time some kind of world event happens, half of Christianity is, start, is posting end times memes and everyone's getting ready. Um, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my, that's my I'm thing. I'm kind of like, I'll, when I hear the trumpet, I'll be like, oh, it's time now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. Okay. Well, that's kind of been my thing where it's like, let's not jump the gun here and just, um, and don't just jump into whenever anything happens with Israel, some sort, it's this instant prophetic thing taking place. People have said it's the end times that Christ is coming uh, every single time something happens over there. In fact, I actually remember a lot of people thought COVID was a sign of the time because of different, uh, different texts that they use to reach that conclusion. So I actually know of somebody who went to my old church uh, at Frontline that actually apparently this person like went and sheltered down and like was like, this is it. I'm waiting for the rapture. Like he actually thought it was going to happen. And I think that's also part of the problem when like when you do like almost fear based theology, you want to be careful with that. 
But this idea, again, that it's the end times, uh, the reality is, guys, we don't know. Now, here's the thing. I'm not a, I'm not a dispensationalist in that sense that I'm waiting for a missile to, like, I'm waiting for someone to rebuild the temple uh, as a sign. I, but I will say this. I might not affirm that view. But if a stray missile does happen to hit the Temple Mount and destroy the mosque that's there, I will be watching with one eyebrow open. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, I don't think that's true, but it could be. <laughs> Just saying, if it happens, I'll be like, I'm not a believer, but I'm watching. <laughs> uh, I think the difference is too, like, I know... When the Jews are waiting for the Messiah, right, they're expecting a specific Messiah. They're expecting someone that's going to save them and someone that's going to destroy all their enemies. And then when it wasn't exactly like what they thought, um, that caused a lot to fall away, to be hardened by God in judicial hardening. Um, but the difference between then and now is you had a whole bunch of Jews that were not in Christ because they didn't have the Messiah yet. They didn't have the good news. Now those of us are Christians that are in Christ. It's not like a bad eschatology is going to rip us out of God's hand. So I think a little bit different, we should have a little bit open-handedness, but also realize well, we might be wrong, but it's not like if we're wrong, all of a sudden it's like no heaven for you. It's we'll, we'll, we'll get along either way. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And so that's why um, just the, this whole, like I saw a comment in here that said it's, it's the birthing pains of the end, but we've seen that sort of talk in World War II, I mean, you want to talk about a time that where Israel was, and Jew and Judaism was like the central point of all the persecution. I mean, that was the time. I, if someone actually was like more dispensationalist in the 40s during World War II, I would actually probably be on the camp of like, yeah, maybe. Like, I would actually probably be in a way stronger, like, there's a strong possibility here. But we didn't see it happen then. We didn't see it happen. Uh, and I don't think we're going to see it happen now. Now, granted... I could be wrong and I'm open with being wrong. Uh, I, I would love, I'd love for Christ to come right now and start the new creation and start, stop all this madness from taking place. So um, anyway. Well, I think too, like depending on what your view was on Matthew 24, 21, where it says there'll be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. I look at, is it worse now than what we've seen in history? I don't think it is. Right. I don't, well, I don't think we're close to Genesis 6 time. I don't think we're close to 1940s. I don't think we're close to 1930s. So, Actually, I think that's where uh, partial preterism can help clarify, too. Like, in Matthew 24, people say all the time, like, I, I see atheists all the time be like, oh, well, Christ was a false prophet. He said this generation will not, there will be some in this generation that won't even see death when all this takes place. And he talks about brick being thrown over brick, all these things. But the funny thing about it is that if you actually read all of Matthew 24 and you understand it with the fall of Jerusalem to come and the destruction of the temple, it seems like he's actually talking about that, not like a, some future eschatological situation. It seems like he's talking about the immediate destruction in the near future in the next like 40 some odd years that there's going to be destruction brick thrown over brick. And then they talk about how and this de abomination of desolation is essentially that these Roman pagans are in the holy space and destroying it. So I don't know if you can even like strongly even say that Matthew 24 is talking about it. But like I said, if we're going to take it in that way, well, is this the worst than we've ever seen before? I mean, more worse than the the Roman conquest of Jerusalem. Um, this last Sunday, Pastor Brett at here at One Life, he preached on the crucifixion and he talked about 
what they did. They like lined the walls of Jerusalem, like their highways with like 500 people a day, if I remember straight, according to Josephus, on like being crucified as a, a sign of Roman might. I'm like, I mean, it's bad. Don't get me wrong. This whole situation with Hamas is horrible, but it just makes you go, are we, at, you know, you know what I mean? Like, are we at that level? Um, so, and uh, Jordan uh, Thornburg says, in my view, a delayed return makes the most sense. Or, uh, would you say like then a pre-wrath kind of idea? Is that your idea? Because pre-wrath, I'm not going to lie. Like if I was going to keep like a more dispy framework on my eschatology is definitely where I'd probably land. Um, clarify here in a few minutes. But, and the other thing I wanted to make sure we talked about with this whole situation. So uh, bottom line is we don't know if it's the end time. So don't jump the gun. Don't start fear mongering. But as uh, James said earlier, we should be ready for it, right? We should be looking. We should be ready. We should be excited. Um, so uh, yeah. Um Okay, cool. Like there's so uh, Jordan, I don't know if you know this, but there is a version that's uh, like a delayed return um, that they call pre-wrath. Um, that's so it's not a pre-trib rapture. It's that Christ returns like mid-tribulation. Um, so anyway, I don't know if that's what you're getting at, but anyhow. Uh, so um, with that, so anyway, back to what we were saying. So there's a lot with this, but I don't. I just think we have to be careful not jumping the gun. I, I already, I see people in my church here and I see people, um, I definitely know it's probably people at my old church because they're, uh, they're mid-acts dispensational. So there's definitely that like mindset. And I just know that that's not just exclusive to these churches, it's all nationwide in evangelicalism because it's really been pushing evangelicalism. Like this idea of the, the signs of the times, then this rapture take place, rebuild, you know, of course, the rebuilding of the temple before all this, all these things has been pushed to such a level where people have things like, um, you know, bunkers and all that. So uh, where people get so paranoid and what they do is they just like hunker down and they're terrified as opposed to like, which I find strange because we should be like excited about Christ's return. And that's really what we see as like a joyous occasion, not a terrifying occasion. So I think too, you know, we have a lot of history in the church of trying to predict these things. And right. We even hinted at a little bit with some jokes on your uh, live stream earlier today, Will, about uh, the Millerites, right? So the great disappointment was in the, the early 1800s and they had a specific date and time and they're ready. Like, here it comes. And that didn't come They're like, Oh no. And that's the movement that spawned the Jehovah's witnesses. Um, so I think we just gotta be really careful. There's a lot of weird sects of Christianity, even cults of Christianity that have been based upon picking a date and time and they get obsessed with it. So that's I actually, think you can even make an idol out of your eschatology if you're not careful. That's actually su such a great point that I'm glad you brought that up because one, we, we see people lose their faith actually because of this sort of thing. So if you are almost to the point where you're fear mongering or because think about it, oh, Christ is going to return. Here's the prophecies. You read them. And some person who doesn't know their Bible very well, maybe, or maybe someone who doesn't understand like, prophecy, different things, uh, like ancient Near Eastern texts, stuff like that. You read these things and look at this, this is, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. This is exactly, this is the moment. And if it does not happen, then what you can do is you can make somebody go, you know what, maybe this is just a bunch of bunking. You guys are a bunch of crazy people. Like you ever think, you know, you ever consider that? I'm just not going to hang out with you. I could see that becoming a problem. You know what I mean? So you have to be careful on saying it is the end times. Instead, we are told to be watchful and to be ready. But also, if all you're doing is focus on the end times, what will happen to a lot of people is that they just sit there and wait as opposed to still going out there and doing the work of the kingdom.
that we're supposed to be doing, which is, you know, preaching the gospel, helping our neighbor, um, build, building lives for one another, really, and being a community. If we're not doing those things, we're not being the kingdom of God here on earth uh, because we're so busy focused on the future, then what are we even doing? You know, so we have to be, we, we do have to be careful. Um, so uh, do you have anything else to say on that one, Brian? No, I think just uh, trying to make a lot of it and just be a little bit open-minded on what's going to happen and, and feel free to laugh, react to every end times meme you see on Facebook and Instagram going forward. Right. And so, uh, so with that said, now the other question is the other thing I I should mention this, I do want to make sure we are clear. Well, when we're talking about this stuff with Israel and Hamas, we do want to be sensitive to people in this situation because here's guys, we are, way across the pond. This isn't our world, right? We we don't live in a world where we're afraid of possibly a missile hitting our home that day or a terrorist kicking down the door or soldiers barreling into our town. We are so far removed here in America that it's almost hard for us, I think, in a way, in an educated, really educated way, looking at it to speak on it, right? From a good perspective. It's hard for us when you're that far removed, because yeah. I bet you, if you were there, it, your perspectives would be a bit different on some of these things. Yeah, um, it's easy to Monday morning quarterback this whole situation, obviously. Right, so, which is actually why- We making jokes about stuff tonight, but obviously, like you yeah, said, it, we don't know what it's like for them right now. Right. And so both Israel and Gaza and other places around there. Exactly. We don't know what it's like. So even though we might be, we might joke, I don't want you to think that we're cracking jokes and we're uncaring. It's just the fact that Brian and I alleviate tense situations with humor. We're broken. What do you want from us? Um, So, but one of the things is, is I wanted to make sure I acknowledge, because I remember when all this broke, I don't know about you at Brian, but I was angry. Like, uh, um, you were like, yeah, I thought you were actually so, when I saw you were going to do an episode on it, I even was like, oh, what's Brian going to say? Because uh, I know if you see that much injustice, that's going to just upset you. And really what uh, you came, you're, you're like way down to earth. And, and I could tell it was actually a burden. And I think that's yeah. something that some of us forget. But I do also want to make sure we mention that it's okay to see injustice and be angry. But we're told by Paul to be angry, but do not sin. So I think this is where we need to check our motives a little bit when we're talking about this conflict. Like, do you want Israel to go to, do you want this whole war to take place because you just are kind of out for blood and you just want vengeance? Uh, Because if so, that's probably not a a good motivator, right? We're not, we're supposed to love our enemies and here if you're being hateful and like you absolutely hate them, well, then that's a problem. Now, do I think that Hamas and their ideology is a blight upon our world? Yes. But do I still believe that the members are image bearers of God? Absolutely. And I wish, I wish they would repent of their wicked ways because we all know that the ways of the wicked only leads to destruction and either in this world or the next. So, yeah, well said, Will. And I think, uh, you know, I think Will and I are, are slightly different in some of our takes on this, but obviously I think part of it too is we're kind of trying to react to the situation and you'll, you're going to see the kind of reflection of that tonight of how much we're thinking about this and trying to measure what we're saying and contemplate how do we apply scripture here and how do we uh, respect all the image bearers of God that are involved here. 
um, which is a fine line to walk. And we might not walk it perfectly correctly tonight. And I but. think that's the hardest part, right? Because like this is Brian and I were texting about this because Brian and I do, I think, do have slightly different takes. But we also, I think, are just both trying to balance all the problems like all the, the it's a lot. And I know people who are just like there are like I have a friend of mine, Dr. Matt Muzakis, who's a Christian pacifist. And even he was like, yeah, the situation is complicated. I don't know if I can speak into this fully as a pacifist because there's so much history and other things that have taken place there um and on and the cultural differences and things like that but also then there's you know there, there's the warmongering christians and i think that's a problem too those were all just like let's nuke them from orbit and just destroy everything well okay well now you're just talking about killing like hundreds of thousands of people uh who have nothing to do with the situation if you just want to do that um so i i think we should never be okay or at least uh promote the idea of just wild destruction so uh but i do think there is a thing like in ecclesiastes 3 8 there is an interesting statement uh that he makes and you'll you and many of you guys are familiar with it he goes he says like there's a time to love and a time to hate a time for war and a time for peace so i guess my first question is is this an appropriate time for for war do we think that israel should not go to war i'm on the I, this is where i'm literally on the fence with i'm like i think that hamas is an active threat to their civilian like to the citizenry because clearly they did what they did right they came in and they raped murdered and pillaged a bunch of people and the people who were just there minding their own business right they had nothing to do with it we have innocent people being murdered and in my mind, I'm like, okay, and this is where Brian, maybe, you know, your take could be helpful or anyone else's take. I'm all ears because in my mind, I'm like, okay, I believe in the right to self-defense. I take this from the Torah. Um, but if someone attacks me, I believe I have every right to defend myself against them, even to the point of possible lethality. Now, what happens when it's a group that invades a country? What's a country's version of self-defense? If their defensive like walls and stuff are breached, then is it not on the country to make sure that they neutralize the threat? And part of me is like, does that mean that just neutralize the threat when it's there? Or does that mean they go on the hunt to make sure that threat never comes back? Uh, that's, that's I think, the, the balance here. Because the problem is, is that, Brian, how many... We were talking about before the show, how many children yeah. have now died? I don't know if I have the children one specifically, but I the last number I saw was there's about 2,200 Palestinians dead, and there's about 1,300 Israelis dead with non-combatants, people from other countries included in those numbers. So mm -hmm. there's already a lot dead in two and a half, three weeks. And this is a fight that a lot of those people did not choose. And that's the hard, and that's the hardest part for me, which is like these people did not. A lot of these people did not choose this fight, right? This fight's chosen for them. They're caught in the crosshairs, or the crossfire, really. And then you have something like you know Egypt, who's refusing to take any refugees, and others. So it's like, as there's this war going on, other countries are being even crummier and not really helping anybody <laughs> get out of there. So now you have people who are just stuck in this crossfire. So I guess the real question is, is do is this a good time? Cause like, okay, yeah, Exodus 22, let's just, I'll just read this real fast. 
It says, like, if a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for uh, and four sheep for a sheep. If a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there will be no blood guilt for him. And so, right, I mean, we have that, like, in the Torah, we have, like, this, somebody's in your home, so this is almost like a castle doctrine, right? Castle doctrine comes in and he's a thief, so he's just taking possessions and apparently the owner of the home had the right to kill. Uh, not that, you know, you should revel in it, but then the question is, is like, so does that mean it's only a, the castle doctrine? Cause then it says after that, but if the sun is up and the guy's like out, then you shall not. So it, there's the question. <laughs> um, any thoughts yeah. on any of this, Brian? I'm rambling. Yeah. It might, it might be good to go through some scripture. I pulled some too, just to kind of, how do we, how do we kind of level the plane here? How do we make sure we're going down the right path? How are we comparing scripture with scripture? You know, one that came to mind was first Peter three, nine does do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for this is for, for to this, you were called that you may obtain a blessing. So the other problem here is who's the subject here? Well, we're not talking really about Christians, right? This is, essentially Islam versus Judaism, but I think we can still call all those involved to act according to the ways we were called as Christians um, because we think it's the best way. Um, but that's one way. And I, we also have some Proverbs here. Proverbs 3.31, do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. Proverbs 3.29, do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Uh, that might seem a little bit applicable to the region. Um, and, and I mentioned Genesis 6 earlier. Um, you know, one of the ways that God describes the the depravity and the moral decay of the earth before the flood is because it was filled with violence. So Did you, do you affirm total depravity? I don't, but it was depraved. <laughs> it was. I'm just giving you a hard time. So verse 11 says, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. So and I know I got a little bit, of, a little bit pushed back into my comments when my first video about really, I think God abhors senseless violence. The violence that God uh, encourages is when it's carrying out his judgment, whether it's through people or through his own action. I think we need to stipulate a little bit. I don't think we have, as far as I know, God hasn't communicated to um, Benjamin Netanyahu about this is a holy war that he needs to execute against Islam. I don't. I don't feel like we've had any revelation from God that this is the way they're supposed to go. Um, at least that's my take. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's where, and so where I'm at, where I was like, well, at the same time, like what about the moral principles, you know? So that's why I keep going back. I'm like, but the, what about like the ability to, for self-defense? But then there's also like the ability, like there's other parts like you can pull from the Torah where you're like, hmm. for example, like Leviticus, he goes, and you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land security, securely. So securing your land, living securely in it, this is how you're going to do it. He goes, I will give peace in the land, which is what we should all desire. And you shall lie down and none shall make you afraid. And I will remove harmless, harmful beasts from the land and the sword shall not go through your land. So this is all about peace and protection. He goes, you shall chase your enemies and they will fall before you by the sword. 
Uh, five of you shall chase 100, and 100 of you shall chase 10,000. He goes on in this hyperbolic statement. I will turn to you and make you fruitful and multiply, and will confirm my covenant with you. And obviously, he's talking about this co- his covenant. Um, so, um, so there's, a, but it seems like there is this idea of like, well, in order to have peace, you might have to drive out the enemy. And so I don't think either anyone would disagree that Israel has the right to drive out the enemy from its territory, right? If they invade, then yeah, I don't think that's like, yeah, you don't stand idly by and be like, go ahead, do whatever you want. Like, that's not going to be, that's not anyone's advocating for. Yeah. I think we can also condemn right now, everyone who's like Israel is colonizers. So whatever you need to do to take them out because they're colonizers and all violence is justified. I think, we can both stand on that and say that is absolutely the wrong way to go. This oh, absolutely. Colonizers are can be eviscerated in any means possible. Men, women, and children doesn't matter, combatants and non. Um, and I think uh, I heard an interesting point earlier, just like when we're talking about colonizers with regard to Israel, if Israel, if the Jewish people in Israel go dig on their land right now, they could come across their own money from thousands of years ago in the ground. Right. So I don't think you can level the accusation of colonizers to Israel right now. When they are the only been... state that has literally existed in that area as a nation state. Right. And the other thing is that we have territories, right? Like Palestine and all these were never nation states. So you have territories. And now I did was listening to a great interview um, I'm about 40 minutes in, uh, but I was listening to an interview today from a Palestinian Christian and one of the things he was saying, uh, and I really appreciated his perspective was like, because of all this conflict and all the crap that keeps happening back and forth and all this, that he's like, I consider myself a Palestinian, but I have not been, we have not been able, even been able to establish our own homeland because we're constantly being jerked around and with all these conflicts and everything. So that was an interesting perspective because he's like, I, you know, he's like, my family's lived here for generations. Like I could go, I could show you does like generation after generation after generation of my family has been here. He's like, so I am from here. This is my home for generations, but because of all this conflict too, and that should show you as well. Now, the other thing I want to make sure I mentioned is that as much as people might could disagree with Israel and how they handle things, because here's the thing, I, I think Pastor Brett put it perfectly, like at the end of his video recently, but I can support Israel, but that doesn't mean I have to support everything Israel does, right? I'm a, I am support the United States of America. It doesn't mean I support everything the United States of America does, right? Yeah, that's a good one. I think we should park on that for a minute because what does support mean? I think a lot of Americans, I, I saw a poll recently, the majority of Americans want to support Israel way more than there's support for Ukraine in that situation as well. So what does support look like for the U.S. to Israel? What would you say, Will? That's a good question. Um, and th- that's where one of the things for me where I don't want – I'm not a big fan of us getting into everyone else's fights because I feel like America has played like world referee for too much. And again, I'm willing to have my mind changed on any of this stuff because I'm more of a theologian than I am a political commentator. But 
I would rather, if we're going to support Israel, I'd rather support them, you know, supplies, uh, support them, help, help them with some security and information, stuff like that. But I don't think we should be like actively sending in our entire like Navy SEAL troop to go in there and neutralize a bunch of targets on their behalf and risk our citizenry uh, in that sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I think we should support them like as best as we can, but be like, look, dude, we're not going to get, we're not bringing in lethal measures. This is not our fight, but we will support you from having more, uh, more casualties on your side. Uh, so if we can have information that helps you navigate something with more precision, so that way there's less casualties. Great. We'll help you with that. We'll help you with supplies. We'll help you with these things, as opposed to giving all the stuff we've given to the Ukraine and the Ukraine, like if you've listened, <laughs> you've heard their president, right? He's not, he's not what I would consider a, good dude um and he's not friendly to christianity fun fact for you so if you're uh if you bought that whole thing from the media just just letting you know that, that ukraine is not friendly to christian at least he isn't a friend to christians i shouldn't say that the ukraine as a whole because obviously it's ukrainian christians so yeah i would um, say from the support perspective obviously as christians if we actually believe in prayer we should be praying we should be praying for everyone involved and praying that peace is is found as quickly as possible Obviously, the United States is a close ally to Israel. So obviously, from a military standpoint, we're kind of on the hook to help to some extent. What I'm comfortable with helping, defensive military, right? So help prevent other nation states from getting involved, right? So play a deterrent in the area to prevent Iran from from jumping in um, and other nation states in the area from, from trying to jump in and invade Israel at the same time and kind of capitalize on this opportunity. I'm perfectly okay with the United States helping resupply the Iron Dome, right? That's a defensive weaponry system that's intercepting rockets that are flying over and trying to hit um, mostly civilian targets inside of Israel. And I might be okay with some precision level special forces for the retaliation of specific combatants that were involved in the, in the raid. Where I think we need to be really careful about Maybe we can go into a little bit of a biblical review of vengeance versus self-defense. But I think that's where kind of we're trying to find the line here. A lot of Christians is what is what is considered self-defense and what's considered vengeance. In my opinion, if someone robs your house and kills your wife, what what is vengeance? Well, vengeance would be go finding that robber, going to his house and killing his roommate. John Wick that, style. Yep. John Wick style just lay waste to everything that they love, right? That would be vengeance. And I think we need to be very, very much against that. Self-defense is someone's in your house and they're trying to kill your wife. They have forfeited the right to their life inside your house. And now you can take them out. That's right. self-defense. You're protecting no. their life with, with uh, defense. Right. And then uh, what do you do? And then if I, I think there, and I would say that I would go venture to say is that if somebody is, sent somebody in there to kill your wife and child and you chose to uh not just add to these people who did that in your own home but to find the person who is sending these people i would venture to say that it's okay to take him out too because it's not vengeance this is just not not only justice but preventing further pain and suffering the biggest problem here is, as everyone knows, Hamas go, actively goes out of its way to put itself in a place where citizens will be in danger, and that is the heart. That, that that's a dirty strategy. It's the, the it's the most cowardice thing I've ever seen in my life. 
um, to use citizens as human shields. Um, but one thing I did want to make sure I said, NetDude21 here says, here's the thing I have seen recently. If you support Israel, you get canceled, vilified, and reputation is destroyed. And that is a fact. And one of the things that's driving me crazy about this is that why would you not support at least a group of people who are just raped and murdered and pillaged? Like, what your political opinions of Israel aside, okay, even if you're not a Zionist or whatever, like if you're not like a, I should say like a, yeah, a Zionist as in like, when I'm saying that, I mean like in the theological sense of like preacher, rapture, all that kind of stuff that Israel, God's chosen people, all that jazz. Even if you're not looking at it from that perspective, you don't have to agree with Israel on everything they've done to go, no, no, that was messed up. What took place is messed up and needs to be stopped. Is that is that overly political to say? Is that how is that over? I don't understand how that's overly controversial. That it needs to be stopped. Is overly political and everything is blown out of proportion nowadays. Yeah, that's a fact. But even like right, obviously some of that canceling is coming from from left wing radicals. But if you listen to Joe Biden right now, he is expressing very strong support for Israel. So I would say anyone who's like, come on, your own guy is like professing support. So let's let let's chill a little bit on the let's cancel everyone who doesn't completely perfectly agree with us. Um, and I think also we need to be, we need to think about what it looks like for attacking the attackers, right? What does that even, what does that even mean? I, my perspective on this is we've already done the go fight a war against a nebulous foe, the war on terrorism, the war on drugs. We've done these things. We know that all there are is just excuses to spend tons of money, buy lots of weaponry, invade places and have perpetual wars. And eventually it all blows up in our face. So I'm really nervous and worried about encouraging more of the same. We already know the end result, right? That a lot of people are saying, this is Israel's 9-11. See, this is so bad. I'm like, if it is, let's not make the same mistake we did, which was let's go invade Afghanistan for 20 years and have some war that ends up with the exact same end result after 20 years of fighting that it was at the beginning. Right, uh, that was- Taliban still in control where we like occupy this entire space and everything. Like I'm like back in the day, I'm like, all right, so yeah, you take out Osama bin Laden, you would take out the main infrastructure and then you just bounce. Like that's what, like if you're going to do, you know what I mean? If you're going to do it, just go in there, do the thing that you need to do and then get out. Like, I don't understand this whole, like let's occupy here for a while and try to make this entire place exactly the way we want it. And just keep sacrificing more lives. Also wanted to mention what Jesse Meyer here said. If you'll dig, you'll find Roman coins. Does that mean Italy could make claim on that land? Uh, except for the fact where Israel's claims uh, coins are older. So there's that. Anyway. Um, we also have empires. Right. You have empires. You can go. You'll find Babylonian coins in there, too. You'll find Assyrian coins. Right. <laughs> um, but Rome's not claiming ownership of Israel. <laughs> Right. Israel's yeah. claiming ownership of Israel. And this like we've been here and have been here. So um, it's like us to learn from the past. Like we've done this whole let's go fight terrorism and we see where it ends up. Let's 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 think about this. It's not nation state against nation state. There is no country of Palestine. And if there was, they didn't attack Israel. Hamas, which is a terrorist organization that is controlled by people that don't even live in Gaza launched and orchestrated this attack oh yeah didn't you say they're in turkey there's they don't know exactly where the leaders are turkey is one of the ideas they might be hiding out so this whole idea of let's go take out gaza when the leaders aren't even there and i think we need to think about what is what does hamas want israel to do and is it what israel wants to do i think 
they're the same right now. Hamas wants Israel to see red and they want him to go kill a whole bunch of innocent people and they want to video it and they want to blast on the internet and they want to ruin the moral high ground that the world perceives, at least some of the world perceives Israel to have. So I think that's for us as Christians to be like, time out, guys. Like Hamas wants innocents to die and Israel's seeing blood and they just want to level Gaza, right? They're getting ready to invade Gaza right now. They're amassing troops and arms on the border. They're getting ready to invade. As of right now, they haven't done it yet, but it's going to happen. And I guess this goes into the whole, like, as far as, like, vengeance talk, that's why, like, God himself. So God has definitely done some killing, uh, right? Like, that's happened. <laughs> the flood was a thing. And so this is where I think we also need to understand that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. So no matter where you stand on this, if you want Israel, to, if you're seeing red and you want Israel to go in there and just kick butt, take names, um, okay, but remember not to, like, revel in that violence either, right? So we, 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 God takes no pleasure in the death. It's like more like God does it out of a necessity than out of a want, like, or out of a, or out of a, I mean, it does out of a necessity than I want to or desire it or enjoy it. Right. It's like, it's kind of like when you just like, even though obviously discipline your child is not nearly the, to the level of killing, but you, no one enjoys, or at least you shouldn't enjoy disciplining your child. Right. It should be a, it's usually a thing that you don't enjoy in the moment, but you're, you're doing it because you're like, look, I, I'm causing you this to spare you X, Y, and Z. I think that could happen later. Um, were you sharing something about a pizzeria there? What was yeah, that? I want to share that next. Okay, go ahead. It just popped up. Okay, this came up in the news today. Um, just talking about kind of what Hamas wants Israel to do and what Israel is doing, and is this justified? Um, so this is in the news recently. There's a pizzeria that um, was in the West Bank, so not even Gaza. And they posted an advertisement of this Holocaust survivor um, that was captured as part of the invasion of Israel, essentially mocking her in an advertisement for pizza. What did what did Israel do? They destroyed the pizzeria. Is that justified? <laughs> it was. They weren't hurting anyone. They literally made an advertisement mocking. Now, very insensitive, right? Don't condone that whatsoever. But is that is that the right move? Are cooler heads prevailing here? This is this is what's making me really nervous. What's going on is things like this. Right. Donald, well, put that in the comments. Is that is that a justified action by Israel to go level someone's pizza place because they did yeah. a, a really distasteful ad? Yeah, and just because it's distasteful, I mean, I, again, I'm a major free speech advocate. I almost wore my free speech matters t-shirt tonight, actually. Um, I'm a big free speech advocate. Is it distasteful? Yes. But also, isn't that when you let the market decide whether or not they want to do business with a place that's willing to make such a mockery? No, no, we're just going to blow it up. Like, that That escalated quickly. <laughs> like, that's literally the meme. Like, that escalated quickly. Like, yeah. holy moly. And see, and that's what I mean. And this is and this is the issue. Like, let, and maybe this kind of is more of what my position would be. And now that we, we're having this conversation, it's one of those things where I have no problem with Israel taking a stand for self-defense. I have no problem with Israel going, we're going to destroy these leaders and make sure that these people will never do this again. No problem doing that either. You're preventing, you're taking one to save others, right? 
But obviously things like that story, it's like, well, that just seems like we're taking extreme, you are going to any extreme possible because you're just seeing red right now. As opposed to going, hey, how about this? How about we clear out, all right, we need to rebuild our infrastructure, protect our people. Now we're gonna put in proper security to make sure that never happens again. We're gonna be watching this enemy and now we're going to start doing intelligence work to figure out where their places of operation are and create strong, precise, takeout measures to make sure that these people are taken out with as little casualties as possible. So I think that would be like your best bet as a, like the patient's long game, as opposed to the immediate, we're just blowing everything up because that's just killing more people and people who never asked to be killed. And again, people can do tasteful things, but also guys, it's the internet, like them nuking of like, really, like you're going to blow up a pizzeria, like, yeah. <laughs> like, do you know how many memes are made disrespectfully about people all over the world? Like, this is not uncommon. Well, I think remember, too, obviously, there's a lot of Palestinians in Gaza that are very much sympathetic to Hamas. Right. But they're all also those that are just scared because they're terrorists. So I think we need to be really careful about what it looks like to invade a place like that. And is that justified action? Is that a yeah? measured response is that self-defense or is that retaliation are you making more hamas or are you making less you know one of the things they always said with 9-11 is okay but you know we need to go suit out the shirt out these terrorists so that we can be safer and now what am i hearing the last couple of weeks i'm hearing from pundits america has never been more susceptible to a terrorist attack than now i'm like well what did we do for the last 20 years i thought we took care of this oh right apparently just long ending or long non-ending wars in the middle east uh doesn't actually solve any problems doesn't actually remove a terrorist doesn't actually make us safer it just seems to prolong this whole conflict so i'm just really nervous about us just going okay go search out and go kill people and hopefully that's better because you can just somehow magically with drones or something find out exactly the bad people and kill them without killing anyone else and not making anyone else into terrorists because now they see you as the aggressor and now mm -hmm. they're going to retaliate and what's their, Oh, now their self defense and now your self defense. And here, here we go back and forth over and over again and nothing's ever settled. I mean, yeah, we just I, had the Abraham Accords two years ago and we had peace in the middle East. Now look where we're at. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that it goes to show that retaliation upon retaliation just turns into an endless cycle. Right? So at some point somebody has to just call for peace. Um, and actually, Incarnate Unlimited, you've been kind of going ham in the chat, so I've not been able to chat with you this whole time. But you made up, you made a good point here that I would like to make to discuss because the question is that a lot with a lot of people like this is still you know especially if you're pre trib pre trib or rapture type, uh, Israel still the chosen people, blah blah blah. He says says the notion of Israel, uh, the the nation of Israel is not the continuation of the biblical Israel. It's an imposter. No, I'm not suggesting Black Hebrew Israelite stuff. Thank goodness for that, by the way. That stuff is crazy. I'm stating that the Israeli government isn't the tribe of Judah continued. And I think that's that raises the good question. Is the Israel today the same as it was back then, or is it just some you know different group of people with the na same name on it? And I think there is, I've heard arguments on both sides of the aisle, but that is something that people should be asking. And um, personally, I think Brian and I, you and I both have dug deep enough into that a long time ago. We're like, I don't think it's the same thing. <laughs> um, well, they're so, certainly not pro-Christian in Israel. 
They're actually really secular. Like that, yeah. the, there's a large amount of like that's what's funny that people don't realize. Like it's mostly a lot of atheism. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, and so and this is why like why I won't won't say like with full utter confidence that like the government shouldn't like Israeli government shouldn't do anything. I mean, because Romans 13 also just says like, you know, why would you have no fear of the, uh, would you have no fear of the one who is an authority then do what is good and you'll receive his approval for he is God's servant for good. Talk about the government. But if you do wrong, be afraid for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. And it's like, so people were using Romans 13 out of context, like continually throughout the COVID situation. But I do feel like I'm like, this is a bit more applicable where he's talking about like, hey, this is a disciplinary action against wickedness. So that's why I'm like, I'm not sure if I can confidently say none whatsoever, but there does have to be this why that we, they got to stop blowing everything up and just killing people by the thousands. You need to become precise in your targeting if you're going to do this, because it's not right that other people are caught in those crossfires. Cause like now there's more, there's at the end of all this, there's going to be way more Palestinian civilians that are killed Christians too, probably a good chunk of them. That'll be killed who never asked for that fight. So um, I think that if the government is, if Israeli government is going to choose to bear the sword, like in Romans 13, and be an avenger for the wickedness, for the wrongdoing done against the people, okay, if you're going to be like the sword of justice, then you need to be precise in that. Make sure that you're actually the sword of justice and not another form of tyranny that's uh, that's terrifying different people. Yeah. And to the same point with the Romans 13 is also. Um, and to the other comment we got a few comments ago, Genesis 12, three, it's, that is, <laughs> don't use that out of context either. Okay. I have to support Israel because I want God to bless me. I don't think that's, the, it's exactly the same Israel that we're talking about here. And so I think we need to be really careful about using that and go, well, I have to support him because the Bible tells me so, uh, not even close to the same situation in the same country. So I think we need a little bit careful about using scripture in context in this mm -hmm. situation. And I think one thing to make sure, and and there is like par parts of scripture, God wanted the Amalekites pushed out. He wanted, um, he even commanded invasions when they needed to be, they needed to take place. So it's not like it's not never a thing God ever, that's ever honoring. It's just, but if you're doing, like there was actually laws in the Torah, like for example, like back then part of go one of the, when you could say incentives for a man to go to war was that he got to, after he killed all the men and survived the battle, he got to rape and pillage in the village afterwards. This was a forbidden thing with Israelites. They were not supposed to take, like, destroy these men, women, and children. Uh, many people have already pointed out, a lot of scholarship has pointed out that that's like hyperbolic talk. Like, we destroyed their women, 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 and children when you really just like killed a lot of the men and terrified the, the women and children in the village because of a war, but because of how terribly, and in fact, there was actually people who would kill their wives if they knew they were going to like lose because they looked at it as a mercy to their own wife about what would happen. And Israel had laws that they could not like just pillage women. Like they actually, the women were given like 30 days. You actually had to marry them and take them under you if you're going to do this. And if not, then like you had to relinquish all claims to her ever. Like they're like that. And now granted, you might be like, oh, it's barbaric still. It's like, but in, in ancient Near Eastern context, it was like, 
the most humane thing in comparison to any other place. So the point is, let me, all that to say this, when you extrapolate for that, what you get is, hey, you know what? When there's wickedness, it is okay to act against wickedness, but not at the expense of innocence. And you need to make sure you're careful on those innocents. So, and you'll notice that there's all sorts of like warfare laws and a lot of people misunderstand them. Brian, you have your thinking eyes. I see, I see you doing your thinking eyes. Yeah. Um, well, I think just a couple things just to, to say here is, and I'm actually stealing these from our friend, Josh Sherman. Um, we were talking about this a couple days I ago. Sherman's the man. I love him. He's great. So he had, and I agree with these, and I was trying to portray these in my earlier episode on this. And I don't think I was nearly as eloquent as this. He said the two biggest traps to avoid here are, one, mis- minimizing the wrongdoing just because it's complicated, and two, picking a side in the sense where we'll excuse our side for just about anything. I think that is probably the best way to take this situation. Uh, be careful about tribalism even here and excusing what your side is doing because the other one are, is a big meanie and we don't like what they're doing. I think we can call evil evil on both sides. Yeah, call Woe unto them who call evil good and good evil, right? So we need to make sure that when Israel does something wrong, we're going, that's bad. I can support Israel because I think that what happened to them was, I mean, you can complain about things with Israel all day long, but Israel's never done what Hamas did, right? <laughs> like that to that level. Um, and there's things that Israel's done. I'm sure I don't, I, I, I don't know the entire roster. Okay. I don't study Israel all day long, modern day Israel. I'm not, I'm not a sociologist, right? Again, theologian here. But if you, um, but you don't have to support everything they've ever done to just go, this is wrong. And I think where we go into this is, uh, also I should mention, I, sorry, before I get into that, there is this really interesting thing that we need to make sure we mention too in Ezekiel three seventeen, He says, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die and you give them no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life and that the wicked person shall die for his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. What's interesting here is that he goes basically like, hey, if you don't warn the wicked of what could come to them, then their blood is on your hand, actually. And that is one thing that I think that Israel has done, which is they warned. Problem is that some people got caught in the crossfire. And um, the other thing is warning people that are unable to escape. Right. There's evidence that Hamas was blocking roads and not letting and not saying don't leave, don't leave. Israel's like, you better leave or you're going to get hurt. And they're like, we're trying, but the roads are blocked. It's like, what do you do? What right. do you do? Right. Uh, in fact, and also you wouldn't want to rebel against them, right? Like, no, get out of my way. Like, you know what Hamas is willing to do. Yeah. So it's like, talk about the rock in a hard place. Like you as a civilian are in the worst situation over there because you know that you just kicked a giant, that Hamas kicked this giant hornet's nest and they're coming. But the, the people who kicked the hornet's nest are also standing there with a gun to your face. No matter what, you're just you feel like you're gonna die. Like I that I keep thinking of the poor, like innocent people over there and the situation that they were unfairly placed in. And I can't imagine, like, I have a daughter that's almost three years old, just turning three this weekend. And I just keep thinking of like what would it be like to be my a father there with my three-year-old daughter? I would be terrified for my life, and I'd probably I'll admit it, I'll probably be willing to do some things to get her to safety. 
And probably some things that would probably be kind of immoral. Like you have to ask those things. Like you'd, you'd end up in these situations where like I might question whether or not I'd be willing to be like, hmm, what am I willing to do to get my daughter out of this? Like if you, you think about what the desperate situations we're putting people in, which is why we should be encouraging Israel to be as uh, precise about any retaliation they choose to do as possible because they're going to, they have retaliated and they will continue to. So, um, and Adam put this very well. He said, support of a country is not the same as agreeing with every action the country's ever undertaken. And that is a fact. I support America, but it doesn't mean I was ever okay with antebellum slavery, right? Like, we well, don't have to. Half the things we're doing now, like transing the kids, like. Right, exactly. Right now, are you okay with, you support America? You, I mean, most conservative Christians are, would call themselves uh, patriots, right? Mm -hmm. That means you support everything America does? No, obviously not. Obviously right. not. And also, if you don't support everything America does, and some kid in the south side of Chicago gets gets gunned down by a drive-by shooting, and you don't applaud that and go, I deserved it, it lives in America. No, that that doesn't make any sense either. Right. I think we Actually, really got to not forget all the image bearers here in this situation. Absolutely. Uh, and Jesse, you said DNA research suggests that both Palestinians and Jewish groups share genetic continuity for the Bronze Age Canaanites. Yes, because Abram was called out from them. Um, so just something to keep in mind there. It's like no one's saying that there, there's not like genetic shared genetics here. The, the, whole, the whole point of all nation states, even the Old Testament and everything, was always about values, beliefs, and things along that nature. It was never about like race or ethnicity. So um I just have a problem with all those stupid DNA tests in general because like, oh yeah, you're you're fourteen percent Chinese and sixteen percent German and whatever. Like what is German? What is Chinese? Well these are specific points in time where you said this genetic makeup is that country. And that's that doesn't make any sense because we're just pick, we're arbitrary picking a date and saying this is Chinese people. This is Russians. Right. I have a whole problem with that whole DNA testing thing in general. That's a really <laughs> good point. Um, and then finally, like here at the bottom, uh, I have a, well, just one thing that I like the one verse I want to push the most on this. So it doesn't matter. In my mind, I, I, I see only two reasonable sides um, for a Christian in this whole conflict. Uh, anyone who supports Hamas that says they're a Christian, I really do question whether or not like you're even a believer in the same Christ. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, that, they're, they're, the, the values are completely in uh, juxtaposition to each other. So really the only thing I, way I can see that Christians, the only two consistent positions a Christian can hold to is like basically almost pacifism, right? Like don't retaliate. We need peace. Stop it. Enough blood's been shed. And that is a perfectly reasonable view, right? Like this idea of like stop because otherwise it create more cycles. Like Brian was saying, retaliation, retaliation, retaliation. Um, at some point you have to call for peace. Or if you're like, hey, Israel needs to go to war on this, then we need Israel to be more precise. We need to be more careful and we gotta be mindful of all the innocents that are involved as well. Because Proverbs 617 says, God hates those who shed innocent blood. Whose blood are the innocent in, in this situation? Are you going to say that it's all only Israelis? But what about the civilians in Palestine as well? They're innocent blood. There's innocent blood there too. And they shouldn't have to pay for the sins of somebody else. So I'm not a big fan. I'm, I, when I, all this happened, when all this was happening, I thought to myself, like, Israel needs to get in there and do something. They need to take out Hamas. But then when I saw that, like, some of the ways that, it's like, people, I'm like, okay, well, 
not maybe not like that yeah. <laughs> like chill guys chill <laughs> out <laughs> like maybe not nuka pizzeria just a thought so um it's it's just anyway it's just sad it's just because there's innocent blood everywhere and i'm not opposed to to violent responses if necessary i mean i <laughs> i i have a i have a concealed carry okay i am a big self-defense guy i did martial arts for years i'm big in that like i love that, that sort sword of thing. behind you i don't question. it's not just any sword that my friend is a sharpened replica of sting from lord of the rings it glows blue when my mother is nearby <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a nerd. Uh yeah, the other one's that's a cool European dagger. But yeah, that Yes, <laughs> I can't call you a nerd when I have little Star Wars Lego. I was going to say wait, yeah, you have like a Lego blockade runner and the Millennium Falcon and we did both build those together. And we are building yeah. another set this weekend. We are. Uh, another so Star Wars one. We'll, we'll reveal that one later. Yes, we, we, we shall, we shall. Um, so yeah, but anyway, guys, I, what, uh, is there any comments on this? Cause you couldn't, I think Brian and I are really honestly just trying to tote that line of like, man, what, what, it, what would, should Israel do? And I think Christians do need to support just no shit more shedding of innocent blood as much as possible. I do think in an, in a fallen world that sadly it can be inevitable. Like, you know, take Brian and I were also saying pre, before the show, like, you consider the ally invasion uh, into Germany, right? You consider like D Day and all these things. I'm sure civilians died and all that. There's no, without a doubt, right? And it's like, the, and that's not like, that's not okay. But then that blood is on clearly on Nazi Germany. But that's also if, if, if you're being careless, like, all right, if there's a, like an example here would be like, if I know that a guy who, let's say, killed my killed Brian, you and I were shopping in the mall, and a guy killed you in the middle of the mall and ran into a crowd, and I just started unloading into that crowd, knowing the fact that I will hit him, but I also might take out a few other people too. Well, is it? Can you really say I was justified? No, you're like everyone would agree. They'd be like, "Well, good for you for taking out like the bad guy," but what the heck with the other bodies? Now you're going on. You're now you're going on trial for murder. You know, so there really is got to be this balance here. So, um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I think the other thing, too, is it's hard, right? This is not a nation state versus nation state situation. This is a nation state versus a terrorist group. That's also true. And the terrorist group, I think, believes they've been at war against Israel this whole time, where Israel's like, and now we are declaring war. So it's 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 a weird balance here. It's It's hard to to look at traditional warfare and traditional wars and go, okay, nation state versus nation state or nation states versus nation states. This is a, this is a lot more of a gray area. And I think it requires a little bit more nuance. Um, and I think we do have some, some past precedent to look back on and maybe glean just a little bit of wisdom on some mistakes that we've made in the past. I will admit, like I was in college when we did the whole, let's invade Iraq for these, weapons of mass destruction which are not those uh <laughs> but i was for it i was for it in college i was like let's get them let's get them they they go after us we go after you and i was wrong and it took me a little bit to learn that that lesson and uh so when i see people going through the same mentality i'm like hold on time out just because you're seeing red and just because you saw some terrible videos and there's some crazy evil let's call the evil evil and but let's let's not just justify more and more violence 
you know, we've done a lot of videos on abortion and pro-life on this channel. You know, one thing that we run into a lot where people say, oh, well, you know, abortion's justified in the case of rape because I don't want to see my rapist face for the rest of my life. Right. And what do we what do we say as Christians? We say, well, you, you don't you don't solve previous evil with more evil. Don't kill the innocent child because of the actions of their father. I think that very much applies here in the same situation. Let's not let's not be get more evil as a response to evil because all we do is we're just we're just doing Satan's plan. We're just doing the work of the devil. We're fighting against other image bearers and we're just going down a spiral of violence and hate. Absolutely. And there's just a black pit at the bottom of that. Also do want to comment net dude 21 he said, "Hey Will, Indiana's a constitutional carry state." Yeah, I'm aware. I got my concealed carry in Michigan. <laughs> last year and i moved here and everyone's like oh yeah you just carry it and i'm like oh that's awesome you guys actually know what the second amendment is um i do want to say like adam adam you're on fire tonight man but he said maybe a question for clarification does the fact that it's that israel is a part of this influence your assessment of the situation and actually that's a great question that a lot of people need to ask themselves it was if it was anybody besides israel how would you view view this situation now the way i look at it is that Anyone who's a good ally is someone who I want to be on their side if they're a good ally. But on top of that, if I see moral, the, more important, I should say, not on top of, more important is if I see great immoral things happen. Like if Hamas went and did that in t Turkey or Australia or any other country, I would have just as much of a problem with it. Um, so, but I think that's a good point to ask people about their biases too, because a lot of people, I know a lot of Christians who are completely 100% anti-war who will change their tune when it comes to something like Israel. Um, so that is, that is actually a good point. Um, so, and, uh, let's see, Adam, you're addressing Brian again. Yeah, um, that's a really good point. I brought the, up the distance in my first video on this too, because I, so I live in Grand Rapids, right? And. Grand Rapids to Kalamazoo is about the same distance as Tel Aviv to Gaza. It's like a 45 minute drive down the highway. It's not, and I'm in Michigan, right? So we measure distance and how long it takes to drive there. <laughs> but right, it is very, very, very close. But also I think we need to understand that Israel messed up a little bit in their border security, right? I think we also gotta be careful to justify violence on Israel's part because they done messed up securing their own border. They, I feel like they're a little bit neglectful in securing some of that location and allowing paratroopers to glide in and kill teenagers at a at a at a concert. So I think there's a little bit of got to be a little bit more careful. And obviously, I, I realize that the risk and the 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 threshold for being wrong when you're that close to a territory that's controlled by your enemy um, is very difficult. But I think we got to be a little bit careful here justifying Israel's actions just because they're really, really close. So, but I agree. It's different than if it was 10,000 miles away. Right. And um, I see Incarnate Unlimited is talking about like, you know, this is, is this all manufactured stuff like that? And I'm okay with a skeptical mind, but my thing is, is I would rather not get too much into the weeds on those sort of things. Cause if I don't, I can only go by the information I have. So, and I will, that's all I can really do. So, um, yeah. Uh, I want to answer this question. Yes, yeah. you are. <laughs> you are a little bit. Yep. <laughs> you know what you don't get to do? You don't get to steal that person's stuff because you left your car unlocked. You can get your own stuff back, but you don't get to steal their stuff. 
Oh, you're saying there, there's a responsibility to both, right? Like you're not responsible yes. for the person taking it, but you're responsible for self, like for your self-preservation and taking care of kind of ideas that you're, yep. you're same okay. reason why the United States is neglectful right now with our own border. Right. So we don't get to go, okay, now we get to invade Mexico because Mexico let a lot of people cross our border. Well, that was our, our bad. We need to be so, a little, we need to hold a little bit of our own responsibility and allowing an invasion. Right. Well, the, one of the, the very fundamental pieces of a government one of its fundamental roles is to protect its own people. Fundamental role. And that's one, another reasons why Will and I are okay with um, pro-life laws is because that is one of the roles of our government. It's not a your my body, my choice situation in that. All right, so protect. So it kind of goes into the same, I guess, the logic you're using, because I know what you're saying, and somebody, some people might misunderstand it, but it's kind of like the idea of like, if I walk into a really rough part of town, right? Really rough part of town, low income, very run down, let's say it's known for drugs and all these other things. And I have a million dollars that I'm carrying in a, and, I, and I'm transporting it to my bank and I'm carrying it in a clear bag and I get jumped. Um, was it my fault that these people jumped me? Well, no, I didn't make the choice for them to jump me, but I do bear it in a sense, some responsibility because I went into some when I went to a place with something, knowing the fact of the odds. Um, so I think that's kind of what you're, what you're kind of getting at. Like you have to take some person. Yeah. And I think, well, it affects your response, right? If I'm somewhat culpable as in, I open myself up for this attack in some way, then my, my response should be more measured. That's what I'm trying to say. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying there. Um, I had to munch on it for a little while uh, as regards to this situation to say whether I agree or disagree, but I see, I don't like, I, I don't find it a, a totally untenable because that's kind of what I say with a lot of things nowadays where people are like, well, this, this happened. I'm like, yeah, but what part of responsibility do you bear in that? Cause that's one of the things like we like to do, right? We like to point fingers at everybody. Um, but it's like, well, what responsibility could you bear? Like, okay. So they mess up on their border security a little bit. Maybe they should have been tighter on that. Okay, great. Let's take the, oh, that part will be on us, but that doesn't make everything that happened. Okay. Like, that's not what you're saying. You're not saying that Israel takes the blame for all of this that happened, no. but you're saying that there is some point of like, you should have checked your, your board. Like, this is why you're surrounded by enemies. You know, this, um, yeah, a little bit of self-reflection. Hopefully they learned a lesson from this too and, and go, okay, this is how we can more protect our border against like what Adam said, uh, a area territory that is bent on their destruction and desolation. Then maybe we need to change a little bit of, of the way that we protect our borders in Israel. Right. Um, like, you know, so like they oh, got through. that, like that's not ever, we're never going to let that happen again. Right. So no. uh, that is, I think that's, um, um yeah so wait what the dead air alert how is yeah i know sorry i'm just reading what jesse says here jesse i i don't i i, I think you're new here because i've not interacted with you on our channel before to my knowledge but are you also you said <laughs> are you new here uh but it's, he says Long the time bible first time caller sorry the Bible also tells that a, a wife who cheats on her husband and remains pregnant has to drink water. And if she cheated, she will miscarry. How is that adding evil? How is that for adding evil to evil? So that's actually an, a, a very common misconception about that passage. If oh, you actually, 
Yeah, if yeah, yeah, the NIV is really not well translated there. Um, you should look at what some of the scholarship has said on that passage. But actually, there we have strong documentation from like the Mishnah and other sources that actually, if she was pregnant, she was actually forbidden from undergoing said ritual. So just so you're aware, um, but I, um, but it is a common misconception, and mainly because the if like things like it, certain translations like the NIV and stuff like. They translate it terribly. And we have sometimes a really bad understanding of ancient Near Eastern language and what's, what is being driven at. So if we read it like a Westerner and we take it super hyper-literal, uh, we might not we might miss some of the nuances in between. But there are actually a lot of like scholarly responses to that, but primarily uh, that a pregnant woman was actually forbidden from undergoing said ritual. So, But I agree um, with what Jesse said is that I think would be adding evil to evil. So that I don't right. think it's yeah. Specific. And if otherwise, yes, you'd be correct. And uh, oh, welcome. You are new here. Good to see you. Um, yeah. So, um, by the way, one of the things, uh, if you are new here, like Jesse, or if you're not new here, one of the things that Brian and I are really big on is this unity and diversity. But you, as a body of Christ, we should be able to be united. Um, so that's uh, sorry. Um, and her belly is and she becomes, let's say, um, I'm not sure. All right. Anyway, whatever. Um, so the my point here real fast is like, so we're really big on that. And what we want to do, because Brian and I were both like, I was trying, I'm trying to figure out where I want to like fully be on this. Because at first I was like, yep, wipe them out. And then I was like, well, I don't know if I'm fully comfortable with that. And Brian challenged me and I thought, started thinking about it a little bit more. Um, cause if anyone knows my tendency, I will see red in five seconds. Um, so <laughs> Brian laughs cause he knows it's true. <laughs> um, and then it's like the more I've thought about it and taken time to evaluate, which is why, by the way, you never just do a full on response. Like you never do a full knee jerk reaction. Like, um, because th that's how, that's how you can do really foolish things. So, um. And uh, yeah, Jordan, as far as that numbers five reference, you're like, the Hebrew is not clear what it actually means because it's this, like, it's like, does the thigh fall away? Does the belly follow? There's this a lot of like discussion on what that Hebrew means in uh, numbers chapter five. So that's why the Mishnah and other areas have helped clarify what the whole ritual is meant to be. So, all right, just letting you know. Um, I think, uh, Jesse, I think. I could be wrong, but I think this particular um, passage uh, of the woman with the miscarriage, I think it was addressed in Paul Copan's book, Is God a Moral Monster? I think it was that book it was addressed in, but don't quote me on that. I think that's where it was, but I, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, also, but I'm we'll listening to a, our Paul Copan interview because that was actually oh. a fantastic interview. Oh yeah, Paul Copan. We actually had him on. Uh, we, I should have him on again. He put out a he put out a new uh, book last year. I think uh, is God a vindictive bully? Um, going over some Old Testament passages as well. So I'm looking forward uh, to this God a spaghetti monster in the sky book. Um, that'll be a really good part three. <laughs> <laughs> Weird things atheists say. I'm gonna title my book in response. <laughs> that's actually a that's a, such a great marketing tool. Actually, that's actually not a bad. I'm gonna write another book. Um, I gotta finish, finish the, the one you're on. I know. I gotta finish the one I'm on now. Uh, I I'm I'm hoping Will to work on it this mentality. week. Squirrel. Yep, new one. Uh, so, <laughs> Will, you haven't finished your last three books. Leave me alone. Uh, so. Um, I guess all this to say that the situation is horrible and there's no matter which way innocents lose. And that's like, I don't want to sound nihilistic there, but it's true. Like 
unless somehow peace is found, innocent people lose. And it's unfortunately that it's unfortunate that they're not the ones who get to make the make the choice. And I just hope and pray that Israel makes the right decisions here on how to not hurt people any further than they have than has already been done and tries to be if they're going to draw the sword, draw it and find a way to do it as peacefully uh, or at least as less dangerous for anyone else as possible. So as we're uh, kind of landing this plane, well, I think the thing I'd just like to challenge everyone that's listening is just just some retrospective on yourself. What's stopping you from calling evil evil? What's stopping you from attributing the value to all image bearers of God? And what's stopping you from calling for peace? And I think if we ask ourselves those questions, I think we can probably find a good moral middle ground here on how to address the situation. And I think we just should be praying a lot for all the leaders that are involved on both sides for clear heads to prevail, for peace to be on the mind, for negotiations to actually work. And hopefully, at least from the United States' side, I hope military might is a deterrent from escalation of this. And we can get back to a, a little bit more of a state of normalcy, which in the Middle East is not saying much, but hopefully better than it is now. Yeah, no joke. That's actually the thing, right? Over, the, the, I was actually thinking that on my way over here, which was like the Middle East has been such a bed of chaos, um, which is a fun Dark Souls reference. But uh, anyway, but it's a bit a whole bed of chaos uh, for so many years that it's like, my gosh, what is normal over there? And I, that's part of the whole fight here, right? It's this is ours. No, it's ours. No, it's ours. You're colonizers. Well, you're this. You're, well, you're that, you know, and. And by the way, I did. I should say this, this whole like, well, there are a bunch of colonizers. Uh, kind of what we were talking about earlier when it comes to like the coin discussion. And some some people wanted to take that a little bit more literally. I think that they wanted than what you and I intended as far as getting with the hyperbole is concerned. But um, kind of the point here is that every like this reality is, is that every single geographical location has been colonized a thousand times. And so does that mean that you get to be, like you said, as wicked to these people as possible? No, it means that you're becoming the very oppressor. Like you're mad that these people oppress you while you turn around and oppress. Like you're just returning evil for evil and not evil with good. And that's, I think, what made the early church so different was the fact that even under all the persecution and oppression that it had, it didn't really, re they didn't respond violently. Now, granted, people can start bickering about the Crusades way later, but that's way later. That's not the earliest church history, okay? And the Crusades, uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm not against the, the fully against the Christian response in that. So I think there are some evil things that took place, but I'm not. Anyway, you get the idea. I'm like, I'm like on the side of the Christians in that, while also going, whoa, but that part was jacked up again. Like we're saying, you can support something without supporting all the things that it like entailed, right? So. Good point. Um, all right, cool. So, uh, Brian, do you have anything else to say on our very first episode being in different geographical locations? I would just say that I thought my studio was going to be better than yours, but the lighting in yours is amazing. And <laughs> I just, the black wall with the yellow chef's kiss. Thanks, man. I actually thought yours was going to look better. I think I said on uh, our last episode, I'm like, Brian's is going to look cooler than mine. But uh, I got one more upgrade coming. What, what are you doing? 
So well, that's gonna be a that's that's a reveal for people who have to subscribe <laughs> if they want to see what I'm gonna do next. Oh, okay, all right, that's cool. Actually, this so this looked really terrible originally, but uh, we painted the wall black, and then I turned on. I was telling Brian this actually. So we have a big spotlight that I had like shining in the corner, well pointed at the corner, and when I turned all this on, I turned off the main light here, and I was like, oh, let's see how that looks. I flicked on that, and I was like, oh my gosh, that was uh this is perfect. So actually it turned out way better than I actually thought it was going to. So, uh, just don't look at anything else. And by the way, I agree. I am the man and Brian sucks. I just put that up and I hit it and you put it right back up because it makes me feel good. Um, that dude, 21, where's, where's, <laughs> where's the fan button? <laughs> Well, so if we're, uh, uh, net dude 21, I don't know if you're, uh, if you watch regularly or if you're new here as well, but one of the funnier things about the channel, if you're not, if you are new here is that this kind of running gag that everyone like came for will stayed for Brian. Like everyone's like, Oh, I like will. And then they're all like, Brian's actually way cooler than will. It's kind of a running gag. Uh, so it just made me feel good when I had one pro will comment in there. Yeah. So it makes inflating me feel my ego a little bit. I've really worked hard to make this really inflated <laughs> ego. And just one comment. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna go see my therapist now. Um, anyway, um, so uh, and ooh, that's actually really good. Okay, I know we we're about wrapping up, but uh, Incarnate Unlimited did say this. He's like, uh, colonizers a deliberate language designed to play on people's subconscious programming about Columbus, slavery, etc., to manipulate consent and ire against the wicked colonizer whoever they are and that is a fact it's a rhetorical tool so um well done and uh oh hey i have another pro will comment there's a few happening right now there's a few there's a few lingering (laughs) it's okay you own the meme group and that's what really matters um anyway i'm gonna start some friendly fire tomorrow Perfect. That's what I need. I'll be in meetings all day and I'll just be getting roasted and I'll so much to catch up on now. (laughs) No guys, everyone, just so you know, um, if you haven't already join us on Facebook on the church split discussion, apologetics, uh, group, answer the group questions. So before you join, we don't want just weirdos in there. The group has a nice vibe and I want to keep it that vibe. Uh, so just answer the questions if you're not part of it. And yes, Brian, is the king of memes. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. We got your is. I, I transliterated for you. Um, you have no idea. You guys only see some of his memes. I get sent other memes, and they're hilarious, but we can't share them publicly. We'll be arrested. So, <laughs> all right, guys. Let us know what your thoughts are on this whole conflict. Uh, if you have other helpful information, um, uh, just let us know. Let us know in the comments below. How do you think Christians should respond? Uh, what What do you think Christians should do in Israel and Palestine and the Gaza Strip? Like, what do you think the Christian response should be over there, over here? Tell us your thoughts because there's so much with this situation that that's why I wanted this to be a conversation because there's so much with it. And as I think some of us have said in the comments, and I think you're kind of getting here, there's so many details. I don't know if we could even have our full minds wrapped around the entire situation as like average people who don't live and breathe this sort of thing. Like, so what are your thoughts below? I would absolutely love to know um, what your guys' th- thoughts are on all this. So uh, with that being said, uh, the reality is, uh, that's the one verse that I'll keep it with. Proverbs six seventeen says, God hates those who shed innocent blood. So let's just be on the side that says, let's not shed innocent blood and whatever it takes to get there, let's not do it. 
And yeah. let's protect the innocence of that we can. So let's, at least we can, at, no matter what other solutions you come up with, we can at least all hover around that, or at least we should. If you, if you aren't behind that statement, then well, I can't help you, but anyway. With that being said, guys, this has been a lot of fun and we look forward to doing many more of these. We're going to be doing this every Monday night uh, unless something comes up. Right, Brian? That's the, that's Except the goal. Maybe next Monday because I'll be driving from your house. Maybe yes. Special together. Also. Maybe. I'll have to figure out how to set this up. Maybe. We might figure it out. Yeah, it'll be fun. But I'll just sit our... right behind you like Brax and JP. I'll just be looking over your shoulder with, with worse audio. Basically what I did with JP the entire time where he was like, you sit next to him. I'm like, we're like really awkward. See the Trinity radio episode. If you haven't, that's what we're talking about. It was like, I had to get really close to Pritchett. Um, <laughs> it's a little uncomfortable, honestly, mainly because he's like, he made me feel superior. Like I'm standing there next to him and I had my sleeve was sticking out a little bit and he just like pulls on. He goes, that should be insulting to you. You should goodbye. We get bigger biceps and fill those up. I'm like, dude, I don't need this from you right now. All right. I just got on this. All right. With that being flat over sharing over with guys, uh, this has been a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to talking with all of you uh, and look forward to more episodes of the church split. So you all, Oh, and let us know if there's any comment, any other topics you want us to cover in the comments below. If you want Brian to cover a certain topic, you want me to cover a certain topic, you want it to a together topic, let us know. We want to do it. So you guys take care and God bless. And guys, if you want to avoid seeing obnoxious ads like this, we gotta be strong, we gotta be healthy. When you wanna feel nice and strong and satisfied, you gotta check out Good Ranchers. Right now, go to goodranchers.com, use promo code Knowles. Or that. We also wanna thank Free Life Soap, because I don't know about y'all, yes. but I got a new shipment of soap yes, in. Yes, I did. Here yes, sir. And it was great. Or this. Hi guys, my name is Will, and I'm here to tell you why you should be a student at Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary. Or that. To get to that momentarily first, I want to talk to you about Daily Wire's most trusted privacy partner and premier sponsor of this show, ExpressVPN. Are you aware that your browsing data is constantly being tracked and monitored? Please support us on Patreon. We do not want to annoy you filthy heretics with any sort of ads on this show. So when you're a Patreon subscriber, you also get access to our apologetics classes and other video content a whole month. Of things. You can support us on Patreon for as low as $1 a month.